With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, and today we're going to do something just like we did last week, where we looked at Andre Dillard's path from unknown offensive tackle prospect on the West Coast all the way up to first-round pick. And we're going to do the same thing, except this time with the Eagles' pair of day-two selections with Miles Sanders, the running back from Penn State, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the wide receiver from Stanford. And really, we're going to talk to head coaches, we're going to talk to area scouts, and everybody in between, how did these guys become Eagles? And we're going to start things off with the path of Miles Sanders, and we're going to start with Northeast Area Scout Jim Ward in Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Really pleased to welcome in Jim Ward to the Journey to the Draft podcast. And, and Jim, uh, we want to talk to you about Miles Sanders. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, the former Penn State running back, obviously the Eagles' second-round pick. When did, when did Miles first jump on your radar, and what was your first impression of him? Well, I think, you know, I've known about Miles since I think I – Ninth grade was the first time I've actually seen you know him being in Pittsburgh, and it's kind of where I live at. So you know that that, that you saw the natural talent, believe it or not, back then. And uh, granted, you don't know that he's going to rise and ascend to the level that he did. But um, so Miles was a guy that I had followed um, just because I was familiar with him. But uh, you know, this past year, um, you know that he was kind of next in line, taking over for Saquon, and uh, getting a chance to see him last year in training camp. Um, and you know, just just you know, you're 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 trying to focus on the seniors and make sure that you got those guys right first. But you know, Miles's talent and um, his abilities were, I, I think, for me, were on display most. I, I saw him early in the season against Pitt, and um, he was exceptional in that game. And you kind of left there saying, "Man, I'd love to take this guy back with me to Philadelphia." So then, what what was the uh, the next set of evaluations for him? Did you see him live in person throughout the course of the year? What stood out to you watching him get his first set uh, of starting action? I think what stood out was that you know, and the one thing as as you know, this goes on, and you're you're you know, again, you're really focusing in on the senior class, but you know, you're definitely aware of the juniors um, that are that are you know, high level players such as Miles, um, but. You know, I think for the miles, you know, what stood out for me the most was, you know, I can't get over one term, um, and everything that miles does is is natural, and you know, you can't say that about every player that you do, and and you know, um, you, you try to, you know, I, I think as you're going through miles, I think you're looking at a guy that's got unbelievable instincts for the position, um, you know, you watch his vision, you watch his quick feet, his body control. Um, his ability to create on his own, he changes paths, he keeps defenders on edges. Um, and I think for Miles, I think, you know, getting his initial read um, at the line of scrimmage, being able to see linebacker flow once he gets through there, you know, it's hard for guys at that point to transfer their eyes um, and, and have the ability within their body to complete the play. Um, and you see the secondary, ro- him being able to see the secondary rotation to make you know, to be able to make any big run or, you know, to extend and get to a third level and try to, you know, make a home, you know, get a home run. So I think for Miles, like I said, for me, what just stood out was the ability to see with his eyes and his body be able to react in a way that it needed to and to just create when there was nothing there. So it's kind of what I saw, at the pit, you know, in the pit game. Um, 
and um, it kind of followed through uh, his senior, um, not his senior year, but but this past season. Um, except for the fact, you know, Miles, Miles got banged up a little bit, and you know, I think that's where maybe some of the, the maybe some of the, the the production, the one that dipped a little bit, may have came from. And then you talk about from a from an off the field standpoint. He had mentioned that uh, you know he met with the Eagles in Indianapolis. He met with them uh, during the pre draft visit process. What, what is he like as a kid away from the field? He's outstanding. I mean, you can't get. He was raised the right way. You know, he was raised in a. You know, he went to Woodland Hills High School, which you know has had numerous NFL players over the years, including Steve Breston and Rob Gronkowski uh, played his senior year at Woodland Hills and and uh, uh, Shante Spencer, and Jason Taylor's another guy. So, you know, Miles came from a high school that was, you know, is, is a, I don't want to call it a football factory, but it's just been an outstanding football school. But Miles was raised the right way. Um, he was, you know, when mom, you know, they'll tell you, when they, she dropped him off at, at, at their doorstep, uh, she expected them to continue the path of his development as a person, and uh, she was very supportive. And, you know, you're getting a guy... Um, that's just just a, a, a hard worker, uh, keeps his mouth closed, does everything that you ask him to do. He's going to work. Um, what an outstanding person he is. He's a little on the quiet side, but you know, uh, just just very very enjoyable to be around and a guy you're excited to get into your locker room. And then my final question for you, Jim, about Miles Sanders. Day one ends. I know you, you've got to have your eye on Miles. How nervous were you as the second round progressed and the Eagles selection uh, continued to get closer and closer that he would get scooped up? I know everybody was excited when he fell to the Eagles. Me personally, you, know, you don't sit there in the, in, in, in the draft room and you know, express that. But me personally, <laughs> on the inside, I'll definitely disclose I was nervous the entire second, you know, the second day until we got to him. Uh, knowing he was still on the board, knowing there was a chance that Somebody was going to grab him, um, and knowing he was a guy that we had all coveted, and that's the one thing about Miles was that that there was just, and for all of our guys, but for me personally, just because you know Miles was a guy that was in my area, uh, just the excitement in the room when we when he was there, and and we knew we were getting him, and he was going to become an Eagle. So you know to to sit there and you got to sweat through those picks, and you wait for them to pop up, and each one when you don't see his name's an, an actual relief. So. Uh, let's just say there was a lot of relief and excitement uh, once he got to us. Great stuff there from Jim Ward, who obviously has been very intimate with Miles Sanders, going back to ninth grade, very familiar with his background and what he can do from an athletic standpoint. All right, so draft weekend, Saturday morning, day three of the draft. Amy Campbell and I caught up with Penn State head coach James Franklin to talk about Miles Sanders, his skill set, what he'll bring to the NFL, and everything in between. I was really excited to talk with Coach Franklin. Here's our full interview from draft weekend. Coach, I want to talk about Miles Sanders first, and a guy obviously that was so productive for you guys this year as a junior, his first year as a starter. When did things really start building up for him in terms of buzz about you know scouts talking about him going to the NFL? Uh, at what point did you say, you know what, this is probably going to be uh, his final year on campus here? Well, I, I never say that because I want him here as long as sure. possible. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was pretty early on. I mean, obviously we've been we've been fortunate. You know, we had a guy like Saquon Barkley, and then we were fortunate to go out and recruit the number one running back uh, in the country um, as a recruit, and that was and that was Miles. And Miles was able to come here. You know, him and Saquon had a great relationship. They worked really well together. Um, you know, Miles was always ready for his opportunity when it came. 
Uh, and then when Saquon went on to the NFL, that was Miles' opportunity to step up. And I remember Saquon all the time kind of looking over his shoulder and saying to me, oh, this guy's got a chance to be special. So uh, you know, we've been blessed and fortunate to work with him, but we knew very early on that, that he had tremendous upside, tremendous potential, and his work ethic and his demeanor and drive is really what you know set him apart. Patience seems to be the word when it comes to Miles, at least what we've been discussing over the last couple of days, patiently waiting his turn there. Uh, he said he learned patience during his time having an injury and then, of course, a patient runner. How do you see him fitting into the Eagles' offense and how he can make an impact in the running game? Well, one of the things I think is great about him is I do think he's a three-down back. You know, one, one of the plans that we had – uh, if he was going to come back, is we wanted to get him a lot more involved in the passing game, and that was going to be an emphasis all all uh, all offseason. I thought from the time the season ended to the combine and to the draft, he did an unbelievable job uh, at working on ball skills, at working on route running, and getting really comfortable with that part of his game. That it really became a strength. Uh, it's amazing how many head coaches and GMs called me about how well he caught the ball in our pro day, how well he caught the ball at the combine, looks so natural running routes. Um, so, you know, I just think he's a guy that can do so many things. He's got the body type that you look for and covet in that league, um, you know, that's going to be in every down back. And now he's shown that, you know, he can not only hold up the pass protection, but also can hurt you in the passing game as well. And, you know, uh, Coach Peterson obviously is a creative guy. There's a lot of different ways to him. Coach, take us into the, the X's and O's part of it a little bit. When you have a guy like a Miles Sanders who can be moved around a little bit in the formation and can do some of those things in the passing game, the Eagles have been a team in the past that have gone tempo a little bit and tried to mess with defenses. What does that do for you as an offensive coach to be able to attack defenses if you've got a versatile chess piece like a Miles Sanders? Well, I think that's a great way to describe my versatile check piece. and That, that was going to be a big plan of how we were going to use him this year. So, um, yeah, I just think it, it causes headaches as a, as a defense when you're not sure if they're going to be in a traditional two-back set. You don't know if they're going to be in a, in a one-back set. You don't know if they're going to be in empty. Are they going to line up in empty and get you to check to your empty coverage? And then are they going to motion back into the backfield and now they got you stuck into a vanilla look or vice versa? Start you in the backfield, get you into get you in one defensive look, and then motion out to empty. There's just a lot of different things that that you can do with him, and he's a smart guy. You know, he picks up things really well. He's got an awesome family. Uh, his mom is. You guys are going to love to get to know her and, and his two brothers. Very supportive, but just you know, there's just so many aspects of Miles that you guys are going to really enjoy. For the entire interview with Coach Franklin, make sure you go check that out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Amy and I talked with him about not just Miles Sanders, but also Sharif Miller. You'll hear the rest of that interview next week on the Journey to the Draft podcast. All right, let's get now to Miles' journey. And really, we can go back as far as to last August, August of 2018, where we first started talking about Miles Sanders on the show. We had Ross Tucker on the program. Ross, obviously, the new Eagles voice, the color commentator for the preseason broadcast, replacing Mike Mayock. Really excited to have Ross in the fold and he and I caught up on the Journey to the Draft podcast during training camp last year and I asked him the question because he's very close to that Penn State program I said who's going to replace Saquon Barkley his answer was Miles Sanders very involved with the Penn State program and been following that program closely they lose Saquon Barkley in the draft this past year how do they replace Saquon Barkley this year well they got a guy that they've really been grooming they, they chose to not have him be 
redshirted as a true freshman. That's Miles Sanders. He was the number one ranked running back in the country, played in the Under Armour All-American game. He's from Woodland Hills out in Pittsburgh. He's a five-star recruit. And it's one of those things, Fran, that you watch him, and you're like, wow, he's a good player. But when he was getting reps in between or after Saquon Barkley, it's just different. It's just like Miles Sanders, I think, is going to have an excellent year. I wouldn't be surprised if he has – 1500 all purpose. I mean, he's going to have a great year, but he's just a different player. Now, I'm not sure that he doesn't have better vision than Saquon Barkley. I'm not sure he's not as good out of the backfield. I think he's a little bit more of a slasher. He might be more effective in between the tackles at times. He's not as powerful, and he doesn't have just the raw jump cuts, lateral agility. And, and, and speed that Barkley did. I mean, you know, we all saw that at the combine. There's really nobody like Saquon Barkley, but Miles Sanders, you know, about midway through the year, people are going to say, wow, this guy, where'd he come from? Well, he's been there the whole time. He's just been behind, you know, the number two pick in the NFL draft. So Miles Sanders didn't quite reach that 1,500 plateau that Ross predicted, but he got pretty close. He got to just shy of 1,300 yards. He was banged up midseason, just like uh, Jim mentioned earlier in the show. So very productive for Penn State. Declared for the draft after his final season there, and now he's preparing for the combine. And in my combine preview, before we made the trip out to Indianapolis, I actually listed him as my stopwatch shocker. What's a stopwatch shocker? Well, a guy that I expected to test a little bit better than most people thought. And here's what I wrote about Miles Sanders. If you've been following the Combine in recent years, one thing is consistently true. Penn State players always test like freak shows, whether it's been Saquon Barkley, Mike Gesicki, or Troy Apke last year in 2018, or Chris Godwin the year before that. Penn State has consistently shown out at this event. This is a stab in the, in the dark, but I bet that Sanders, who ran relays at Woodland Hills High School in Pittsburgh, tests better than expected. Now, turns out, Sanders had one of the best workouts of any running back at the Combine. I think it was billed a little bit too highly. Everyone talking about how it was an elite workout. It was a really good workout, but it was much better than most of the rest of this running back class. So that really helped push him up the board a little bit. And we're going to take a look at some of these numbers. He ran 4-5 flat in the 40-yard dash. Perhaps more importantly, a 1-5-3 10-yard split. That's an impressive number. Then he went across the board, and he tested well. 6-8-9 in the 3-cone. 4-1-9 in the short shuttle. 124 inches in the broad jump. 36 inches in the vertical. Those raw numbers are all pretty good. And our running back class, again, that lacked that star power, that lacked that elite athlete, this workout from Miles Sanders really helped his stock and really helped put him in the national spotlight. And really, he was seen as one of the big winners from the entire trip in Indianapolis. That was something that we brought up with Tony Pauline after the combine. Tony, first question here, Daniel Jeremiah good friend from NFL Network, he released his most recent top 50 big board, the prospects. And as he explains it, these are as he ranks the players with what he sees with his eyes. He says when he does his mock draft, it's what he's hearing around the league. So this is, these are his top 50 players. And he has Miles Sanders, the running back from Penn State, jumping up to number 43 overall. Now Sanders had pretty good combine. Did this combine workout help him that much and what are you hearing from teams based on what he has done since Indianapolis? I, I think his, his combine workout was expected. I mean, if you watch the film, Sanders was an accomplished ball carrier at, at Penn State. I mean, he was very good. He was solid last year when he backed up Saquon Barkley. He took it to another level. So the speed and the athleticism uh, really shouldn't surprise. I've always had him graded as a third-round pick. He's my 80, number 82 on my board right now. He's my uh, fifth uh, running back. 
it's going to be a competition between, I believe, him and Daryl Henderson of Memphis for that uh, fourth spot in the uh, running back class. Just a matter of uh, whether running backs come off the board. His, his combine workout was not a surprise to me because he shows all that quickness, the athleticism, the speed, the burst, the change of direction on film, uh, So, which is a good thing. You know he's a good athlete, and he's able to apply that athleticism onto the football field. So after the combine, Sanders started getting a lot of that love, to whether it was in the top 50s, whether it was in the second-round mocks. He started getting a lot more buzz after that trip to Indianapolis, and with that came more questions in our draft mailbag segments. All right, so next question also from Apple Podcast comes from Wild Farm Wines, and we, we got we to get kind of, some kind of sponsorship. I know, I, I, no you know, you know I'm a, I need to get on top of that one. So uh, surprised not to hear more about Miles Sanders after his lights-out combine. Is he a solid second-rounder, or is fumbling issues suppressing his value? Also, did Damian Harris drop to the third day with his very average combine? Could he be there in the fourth round? Uh, I would say that... If Damian Harris drops to the third day, someone's getting a steal. Um, so I would be shocked if that happened. Um, I don't think that he'll be there in the fourth round. I, I think he'll be a day two pick. As far as Sanders, I have to. I continue. I want to continue to watch more because there are a lot of intriguing things, and he is a well-rounded player. He can do a lot of different things for you. I remember, five-star recruit coming out of high school. I mean, was he the, the national yeah, player of the year? I believe so. And yeah. he just got stuck behind Saquon Barkley. So I think when you look at Miles Sanders, you see a guy that's got the potential to be a three-down back. Um, just a small sample size, and he. I know he was a little bit banged up starting around mid-season as yeah. well. Yeah. So let's fast forward a couple weeks, and, th- and this was a fun segment on the on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Chris McPherson came up with a great idea. Let's do a pick six segment where we use the draft machine, the mock draft machine from the Draft Network website, and let's model out a few mock drafts from the Eagles. And in two of those mock drafts, Miles Sanders was actually the pick for the Eagles in round two out of random selection. So we reacted to Miles Sanders being connected to the Eagles in these randomly generated mock drafts. And then Miles Sanders, uh, look, is a guy that I think when you're looking at all these running backs, he checks a lot of boxes. You know, I mean, he does a lot of things really well. Uh, maybe nothing great. Nothing that's probably why he's a second round pick as opposed to being a first round pick. But ultimately, you look at Miles Sanders, you think the best football is ahead of him. It wasn't just the random mock drafts, though, because Todd McShay from ESPN, other analysts continued to mock Miles Sanders to the Eagles in their two- and three-round mock drafts. And Todd McShay in early April actually connected the Eagles to the Penn State running back in the second round. Here we are reacting to that selection in April. All right, now let's look at uh, Todd McShay's version of the uh, the two-round mock draft. Three picks again for the Eagles. DeAndre Baker, uh, first round, 25th overall. Second round, they go Miles Sanders at number 53, the running back from Penn State, and then Virginia safety Juan Thornhill at 57 overall. doesn't seem like you think Thornhill will be there, Tony, but uh, what do you think overall of the uh, the trio of selections from Todd McShay? I think Miles Sanders, if he's there at round, in round two, would be a good uh, good value pick for the Eagles would also fortify their running back unit. Uh, he's a guy who is a versatile ball carrier, can catch the ball out of the backfield, which we know the Eagles want. Uh, I think that would be an outstanding selection for them. One final national analyst who was a big fan of Miles Sanders was Greg Cosell, our good friend from NFL Films. And we had Greg on the show just before the draft, a couple days before Thursday night, night one, to talk about the entire offensive class. And he broke down what he liked so much about Miles Sanders' game and why he was actually the number two running back for him in this draft. Now, last year, Saquon Barkley was drafted number two overall by the New York Giants. His backup at Penn State 
became the starter in 2018, Miles Sanders. He's in this year's draft class. How do you think he transitions to the next level? Oh, I think he transitions well. And I actually, about a month ago, see Mac put out that I thought that Sanders was running back two in this class. And uh, some people liked that and some people didn't. But I really like Sanders. I think that um, he's got the needed size. He's got running skills. He's got receiving traits to be a three-down back. Um, I also think he's just scratching the surface. Look, he played essentially one year. He was a big-time recruit, but obviously Saquon was there. Um, he's carried the ball less than 300 times in his college career. Uh, I think he's a feel and rhythm runner, and I think he, he's the kind of guy that you can give the ball to you know, 14, 15, 16, 18 times a game. And uh, I really like Miles Sanders as a prospect. All right, so we'll fast forward a couple of days to Friday night. The Eagles make the selection. Miles Sanders running back Penn State. Our own Dave Spadaro was in the draft room, and this is one of my favorite parts of having Dave here in the building for Eagles Draft Central. He was up in the room for all of those picks, and we would go to him for that analysis, for that insight after every selection. He had a great story from when the Eagles made Miles Sanders the pick. We're going to go now to our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro, who was in the room when the pick was made. Dave, I hear you have a really fun story for us about what (laughs) went down in the room when the Eagles selected Miles Sanders. Yeah, so what happens, Amy and Fran, is that when the Eagles make a pick, they usually call in the position coach just before calling the player. Well, in this instance, they were looking for Deuce Daly. Where is Deuce? Where is Deuce? They finally got him. They brought him in. And then they told him a name that was not a running back. Howie Roseman gets on the phone and says, Hey, Miles, it's Howie Roseman from the Philadelphia Eagles. And Deuce went, Whoa! I got myself a running back, and the whole room exploded. A little fun with Deuce Staley, who is obviously very happy. The complexion, as you guys talked about, of the running back group has changed so much in the last month. Only a month ago, we were wondering who the Eagles' running backs would be. Then all of a sudden, you acquire Jordan Howard in a trade. You draft Miles Sanders. You compete with Josh Adams and with Corey Clement and with Wendell Smallwood. Suddenly, as you say, great competition at the running back position. Dave, what is the, the essence in terms of the atmosphere up there? Obviously, everybody's excited. What are you hearing in terms of why they're so excited about Miles Sanders? You know, look, they play, uh, Fran, you, you talked about his versatility, how he fits. It's going to take some time with Miles Sanders. There's going to be a learning curve. He's got to be better in pass protection, more polished. Most college running backs, that's the last piece of the puzzle for them. And Deuce Staley knows that very well. Um, but they obviously spent a lot of time with Sanders, who made a visit, actually two visits, to the Novacare Complex as part of the Pro Day Local as well. So they like his versatility. He's got a lot of tread left on that tire, having served as a backup to Saquon Barkley at Penn State for a couple of seasons. And he just really fits into the offense, moving him around the formation, a weapon in the pass game, explosive as a runner, certainly needs to get better in phases, including the pass pro game. But I think Miles Sanders has a chance to fit in here at some point. We don't know how early, but certainly upgrades the level of competition at running back. All of a sudden, the Eagles look formidable in the backfield. So a couple of things there. Number one, love the story with Deuce Staley and how they kind of hoodwinked him into thinking they were going a different direction, then surprised him late with the Miles Sanders pick. 
get him on the phone with the Penn State running back. That was a lot of fun. Secondly, I love what Dave said about the versatility, the way that they're able to see him being used in the passing game. It takes me to back to that interview we heard earlier with James Franklin and how teams really liked the fact that he could be an impact player on third down, used in space, moved around the formation. To me, that's what makes him such an intriguing player in round two of this draft. And so when you look at Sanders, that versatility, really, really outstanding stuff. And, you know, Dave Spadaro, again, exclusive insight, and you get a lot of that insight over on the Eagles Live podcast with Dave, exclusive interviews. He talks with people all over the building, all around the NFL, so make sure you go subscribe to that podcast, give that a rating, and make sure you listen to that each and every week. A great new outlook for that podcast, and they've done a lot of great stuff this offseason. All right, so let's go one more final exclusive interview with Dave. He caught up with Eagles Director of College Scouting, Ian Cunningham, to talk about the Miles Sanders selection. Hi, Eagles everywhere. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro here with Ian Cunningham, director of college scouting. We're talking about running back Miles Sanders, the second round draft pick, Ian. And I know you spent a lot of time with him, so give us all the information you can give us on this very exciting player that, you know, Penn State kid a lot of people know about. Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, Our area scout, Jim Ward and Phil Baia, went up there and they knew about him throughout the whole process. Um, I got up there probably in October at some point and was able to put my eyes on him a little bit. And then once he declared, really started focusing on him, and I saw talents at back. Okay, what kind of talents did you see? How does that skill set translate into the NFL and into this offense? Yeah, we saw a guy that could uh, play on all three downs. Uh, he can run out of the backfield. Uh, he's got really good vision. He's got really good hands out of the backfield. He's elusive in space. We're excited. We can't wait for Deuce to get his hands on him and, and help him become an eagle. A one-year starter, played behind Saquon Barkley, so he's got a lot of tread left. I mean, that's kind of the way people seem to look at running backs. How important is that to you? I think it is uh, very important. Uh, when you play behind a talented runner like Saquon, he kind of had to wait his turn. But he was a five-star kid coming out of Pittsburgh. Uh, he played a couple snaps here and there his first two years. And then once he got the ball, you know, he, he, he took off and ran. There are always questions for running backs making the transition from college to the NFL in pass protection. Where is he in that part of his game? How vital will it be to really get that technique short up? I think he's still developing, and we're fired up to get him with Deuce, and Deuce is a great coach. Uh, he's proven it, and I think he's going to be really good in, in all areas. What about Miles as a teammate, as a leader, as somebody fitting into the culture of what the Eagles are doing? He's a red star candidate. Uh, we, we pride ourselves on finding guys like that, and a red star is a player that is competitive, passionate in his play, good person on and off the field, and, and that's why he's an Eagle now. Ian, how much time have you actually spent with him? Take us through the process a little bit of just how much you've gotten to know Miles through these months. Yeah, we, we brought Miles in uh, on a 30 visit, uh, actually a local pro day. He was up here. We got to put him around Deuce, uh, Joe, everybody here in, in the building. Uh, we were able to familiarize ourselves with the person and the kid, and we are excited to get him in the building. High-level competition, also very productive running back. It sounds like there's not many negatives here. I think he's going to be a really good back. Uh, we're, we're excited to have him. We can't get, wait to get Deuce uh, with him working, and he's going to be an eagle. How he said at his press conference on Friday night that going into Friday, you know, it's very kind of crossing your fingers, hoping that he would be there at 53. So take us through your mindset. You're in the room. You're seeing the names come off the board. What was it like? Yeah, we knew who we wanted. We had a couple guys that were going to be there that we thought could be there, and we, we had no idea that he was going to be there. Um, but when he fell to us, we were excited. We're, we're sitting back, waiting, just seeing the names come off the board. And then when he was there, we knew we were going to take him. We were excited. And he joins a pretty darn talented group of running backs. All of a sudden, a lot of competition in that backfield. A lot of competition in the backfield, and that's what we're excited about. Just uh, see what he does and 
hit the round running. The pick at 53, Penn State running back Miles Sanders. Ian Cunningham, thanks so much for joining us to discuss the Eagles selection. All right, so that wraps up Miles Sanders' journey to the draft. So we'll move on from the Penn State running back. Now let's transition to wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the talented wideout from Stanford, and to me was one of the more intriguing big receivers in this draft. His ability to go up and win at the catch point was second to pretty much anybody in this class. But you don't need to hear it from me. Let's talk with Ryan Myers, the West Coast scout for the Eagles. We talked to him last week about Andre Dillard. We're bringing him back now this week to talk about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. All right, so we're going to welcome back to the show West Coast Area Scout Ryan Myers. And Ryan, uh, we talked last week about Andre Dillard. This week we're going to talk about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, another guy that, that you scouted personally out on the West Coast from Stanford. Uh, take us through your first impression. What was the first time uh, you saw J.J., and what were your first impressions of him upon seeing him? Yeah, so I watched J.J. practice live uh, twice. Uh, really impressed just with his practice habits, the way that he, he approached um, the field work, just extremely focused. Uh, and then I also saw him play live twice. Uh, I saw him versus Utah, where he went 8 for 103. And then I also saw him versus Cal, where he went 5 for, for 109. So, um, you know, the live action with this guy really stood out. Just uh, ex- extremely big, physical player, physical blocker in the run game, knows how to leverage his body, get off press, um, he's just an extremely impressive guy on the hook. So it was good to see him live. Yeah, and obviously his ability to just go up and win. I mean, I, when you look at some of the other big receivers in this class, that's what I've said this in weeks past on the show, that's where he kind of sets himself apart. You know, we talk about guys like, you know, Hakeem Butler and DK Metcalf and some of these other big receivers that were in this class. To me, J.J., I mean, he was just so natural at the catch point, and that showed up week in, week out with him. That's right. I mean, you look at this guy's size, you know, 6'2", 225. He runs really well. He ran a 4.48 as pro day. Um, his catch radius is really what stands out. You know, 33 and a quarter inch arms. He's got an 80 inch wingspan. So, you know, I, I don't think he's ever covered because he can go up and get the ball just like you said. He wins in the 50-50 situations. Uh, he, he understands how to leverage defenders and shield guys. Um, go up over the top of guys. He's got really good hand strength to come down with the ball when guys are trying to rip it out. Um, he's going to translate really well to Philly, especially when he gets to get into the, some of them cold weather games. Uh, big physical guy that can rip the ball to the air. Carson's going to love this guy. There's no question about it. And we heard earlier from David Shaw, the head coach from Stanford, and we, we, he and I talked about uh, one play against USC. I wasn't sure if you, if you saw this game, the USC game. Bryce Love breaks off for like a 50-yard run down the left side, and here comes J.J. screaming from the opposite side of the field out as a lead blocker. Is that, that competitiveness, that urgency, is that something uh, that you saw kind of from him, both seeing him live, both in games and then also in practice? I did. And then, you know, everybody that you talk to, especially Coach Shaw, you know, this guy was a team captain, extremely well-respected, natural leadership skills. He was all about the team. And that play that you just referred to, uh, that goes with his personality. Mm-hmm. Team guy all the way. He's really smart. He knows all the assignments. He's going to come in. He's going to learn the playbook. Uh, he'll be able to play every spot for us, I would imagine, inside, outside. And like I said, he's tough. He loves to compete. He's just wired like an eagle all the way. 
Great stuff there from Ryan Myers. And moving on now, I've had the pleasure of talking with David Shaw, the head coach from Stanford, a handful of times over the last few years, and he is always just outstanding. He's a great interview, one of my favorites in all of college football. And he gives great insight, not just into what the guy is on the field and what he can do for you, but then also what he provides off the field. And he does a great job of developing those young men out there at Stanford. And ultimately, we were able to catch up with David Shaw Saturday morning of the draft, myself and Amy Campbell, to talk with David about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and what he will bring to the Eagles in this great interview. We now welcome in Stanford head football coach David Shaw, now former coach of new Eagles wide receiver draft pick J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And coach, you've had the opportunity to coach and get to know this young man. Tell us what are Eagles fans looking forward to with him? At the most basic thing for J.J., the two things he does on an elite level, Number one is he changes field position. This guy makes big plays down the field, up the seam, on the outside. Uh, got great body control. He just changes field position. And secondly, he scores touch. He scores touchdowns. Um, when he gets one on one in the end zone, uh, he's got an unbelievable catch radius. He's got an unbelievable, uh, uh, and I'm using that word truly, it's unbelievable body control. This guy fights through pass interference. Uh, people are grabbing him, pushing him. They try a bunch of different ways to stop him. And he just goes up and elevates and takes the ball away. And it's, it's fun to watch. Coach, I think by my count, he got he drew 11 flags in the secondary last year. Just Defenses had no way to be able to stop him. What is it like as an offensive coach to have a guy that you know and everybody else in the stadium knows the ball is going to this guy and you can't do anything to stop us from getting it to him? Uh, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. <laughs> and he is extremely quarterback friendly. He's gotten really good at getting releases and giving the quarterback a window to throw to. And what a lot of people forget is he's 225 pounds. So he doesn't get pushed off the spot very easily. So when he gets a release and he can hold the DV up the field, whether it's an inside release or an outside release, he gives the quarterback a good platform to throw the ball to, especially the place like Philadelphia with the other uh, weapons they have there getting, uh, you know, the, their speedster back to Sean and having. Uh, your t- the tight ends that you have, Zach doing a heck of a job to find a guy that had, when he has one-on-one that you can just put the ball down the field and give him an opportunity to know that he's going to elevate take the ball away. Um, that's a great feeling for a quarterback. Well, Coach, I'm glad you brought up the the other weapons in the Eagles offense because I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously you guys at Stanford, you love to use those 12 and 13 personnel sets with multiple tight ends on the field. The Eagles employ a very similar kind of style with both Zach Gertz and Dallas Goddard. What is it like when you've got multiple tight ends on the field and then a big-bodied wideout like J.J.? What does that do for a defense? Well, I mean, much like uh, you all over the last few years, we've studied what you guys have done. Um, that ability to, first and foremost, be able to run the ball uh, versus light boxes because you have guys that they have to double-team. You have to play in and out on Zach. You have to play over the top of a good receiver. Um, and, and it helps you be able to run the ball. And then if you do get that single coverage, now it's kind of like pick your poison. Okay, which way is the safety leaning? If he's leaning one way, great. We've got a one-on-one on one side. If he's leaning the other way, i got a one-on-one on the other side. Um, with the lots of big-body guys that can get inside, so sometimes when you have a great downfield receiver like J.J., um, they start to play outside leverage to try not to give up the go ball. And then he can break inside and he can run away on dagger routes. He can run slant routes. He can uh, fit into your RPO game, which you guys have been extremely good at. Um, but his versatility combined with the versatility of the other guys, it makes it really, really difficult to defend. 
So we've talked a lot about what JJ brings currently and in his game right now, but tell us a little bit more about his journey from the time that you started recruiting him until now. How have you seen him grow and develop into who he is today? You know, early on, he was just this young, wiry, lanky basketball player that liked, that liked football also. Um, and then we watched him his senior year just dominate. Um, he played so well. He played big-time uh, football down there in South Carolina, got a lot of attention. But he's also really, really smart. He's a great student. He's got a lot of interests. He, he was an international relations major. Um, he, he interned with Condoleezza Rice last year, um, has great, got great experience. He, he's born in Spain. He's bilingual. Um, he's very worldly. And you just when you're around him, you just feel positive energy, positive vibes. Um, but he works his tail off. So uh, being in Philadelphia uh, years ago in 1997 with the Eagles, um, they're going to love this guy because he will grind, he will work hard, and he will make plays. Yeah, we got to catch up with him a little bit last night, and you could just sense the excitement and the energy in his voice that you just mentioned now. Do you have any really good stories about him, any uh, funny or surprising or stories that just exemplify the type of guy he is? What, what would be like one of your favorite memories with him? Uh, two for me. One, one very specific uh, that I'll share is uh, a couple years ago we we we, we sputtered offensively, and you guys know big time receivers. You know they're going to come in and talk to the head coach, come and talk to the offensive coordinator, <laughs> and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm not getting the ball. You know I need the ball, etc." JJ came in and said, "Coach, how can I help this team? How can I help this team?" Right, because of course, you know, you throw me the ball. That's great. Do you want me to be uh, a more of a leader? Do you want me to be more vocal? Do you want me to be a better blocker? Do you want me to help encourage other guys? And I said yes, all of that. And he said great. And, and he said, Coach, I think I I can I can help influence people. I think I can make people better. Um, I think I can, can provide the juice. And I said great because we need it. And from that point on, for the last you know two years, that's what he's been for our team. Just an energizer bunny, a positive human being and a guy that cares about his teammates and doesn't just celebrate his plays, he celebrates his, his teammates' plays even more than he celebrates his own. Well, Coach, I'm glad you mentioned that last point because, honestly, during my film study, there were two things that really stood out, two specific moments. One was the UC Davis game down in the red zone, his first touchdown, where the corner just turned to the ref and just said, you know, sort of like, help me out here a little bit. Like, he's boxing this out. I've got nothing to do. They throw the jump ball to him in the, in the low post, and he comes down with it. But the other one was the USC game, and it was Bryce Love, long run down the left sideline. It was 50-plus yards. And here comes J.J. from the opposite side, from the back side, and he was a lead blocker out in front of Bryce Love. And you mentioned how much he looks forward to those big plays for his teammates. Can you just speak to that competitive nature and what he brings to the field from that standpoint? I think the phrase that gets overused so much is love of the game. Some guys play hard because they're good at it. Um, I don't think they love it. J.J. loves it. J.J. loves it. He loves practice. He loves the games. He loves, he loves his role. If he has to run to clear out for somebody else to catch the ball, he's like, I will do it at 100%. Um, that's just who he is. So when that long run breaks and you see him accelerate, where you see a lot of receivers start to slow down because that's their opportunity to take a playoff, J.J. speeds up. He gets faster so he can try to get in front of that guy and nudge that corner and hopefully get, as we call it, get that touchdown block. 
You know, the touchdown block is is as important as a touchdown, and JJ takes that very, very seriously. He is a great teammate. So I'm going to be honest, JJ actually kind of flew under the radar, especially, you know, on our podcast. We didn't talk about him too, too much. He was a junior, so, you know, we typically tend to focus on the seniors, the guys who are draft eligible throughout the course of the season. He declares for the draft. He doesn't participate in the combine. He didn't help that he already played on the West Coast, so fans that are here on the East Coast may not have been too familiar with his game. So J.J. Arcega-Whiteside flew under the radar. Again, didn't work out in Indianapolis, so didn't have that buzz there. But he goes to his pro day. He breaks 4-5. He ran better than I thought some people may have expected, and I thought that really helped himself. That really helped his stock, and that was something that I asked Tony Pauline about here in this draft buzz segment from early April. Well, Tony, let's talk about a guy that really has helped himself, especially with what he did at his pro day, and that's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the wide receiver from Stanford. A lot of questions about his speed and overall athletic profile. Broke 4-5 by most accounts at his pro day late last week. Uh, How much does that help his stock going into this draft, and where do you kind of see him falling in this receiver class? Yeah, it really helps it a lot because now you know that it's not just a situation where uh, Arcega Whiteside was out-muscling opponents for the ball. He has that speed. He has the quickness to physically separate and do more than just win out for the contested throws for the 50-50 throws. So I think he's definitely uh, solidified himself as a second-round pick. Where he goes in the second round you know, remains to be seen. He's got decent size, six foot two, uh, 220 pounds, ran well in the 40. We know he catches the ball well. We know he, you know, he competes to come away with the reception. I could see him literally somewhere in the in the middle part of round two, say between selections of fifty two uh, forty two to fifty two. So despite that pro day workout, he still kind of slid under the radar a little bit. And I'm as guilty of it as anybody. You know, we had uh, Tony Pauline on the show the week of the draft, and I asked Tony. I said. Stack these receivers for us in order that you expect them to be selected. We talked about Miles Boykin, the wide receiver from Notre Dame, A.J. Brown from Ole Miss, Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, and Nikhil Harry from Iowa State. And we said, figure out, all right, how are these guys all going to get drafted? Well, Tony Pauline, he, he wasn't having it. He was not going to let us forget about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think the one guy that we're leaving out uh, from that group would be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside who I think is uh, going to be selected before uh, Hakeem Butler somewhere in the uh, middle part of round two. So the second round comes. The Eagles select Miles Sanders a few picks later. They're on the clock again. They stay put, and they select J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Once again, we go back to the Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro, and talk about what he saw from inside the draft room when the Eagles were on the clock. Let's go back to the man who was in the room where it happened, our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro. Dave, tell us more about... The moment that they made this pick, what's the vibe? What's happening in there? I'm yeah, guessing it's another yeah. party. <laughs> well, it was interesting. It was a different kind of vibe. It was hushed for a while. The sense is that at this time, you know, you're getting a lot of draft opportunities to trade. You're, tra- you're, you're hearing a lot of things from a lot of different teams, and I'm sure the Eagles considered a lot of different options to move out of 57, but instead they stayed and they get a player. I spoke to Howie Roseman after he made the call to JJ, and he told me that he's just a big target. As you said, Fran, he, he catches everything. Great catch radius, outstanding in the red zone. Will play on the outside, add some competition and some depth at wide receiver. And yeah, if you want to compare him to somebody, compare him to Jay, to Alshon Jeffrey in, sense, in the sense of the big body, the big catch radius goes up and catches the football. And what I heard more than anything from inside the draft room was that he catches 
everything thrown his way. So the Eagles thrilled with this pick. That's three for three offensive picks in this 2019 NFL draft. Yeah, Dave, they, and what helps him most of going up and going to get the football, 80-inch wingspan, like just under 80 yep. inches, like ridiculous. He's like a pterodactyl out there on the outside. Yep. And really, ultimately, he also plays the ball very, very well. And he's also a great kid, comes from a great family, so you know what you're getting from a character standpoint. And I think that's obviously something that's very important to Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, maintaining the culture in the Eagles locker room. Yeah, and when you t- let's talk about the depth chart for just a moment, yep. Fran. And there is no depth chart at this time, but let's at least take a look at some of the names. Alshon Jeffrey is one starting receiver, right? The Eagles believe Deshaun Jackson adds that element of speed that they really didn't have last year because of the injury to Mike Wallace. Inside, you've got Nelson Aguilar. You've got two tight ends who are going to be great weapons. You've got Mac Hollins hopefully coming back from an injury that robbed him of his second NFL season. You've got some young receivers developing Shelton Gibson who last training camp and in the preseason showed signs and then just never really stepped on the field and was productive so the Eagles adding another young talent here at the wide receiver position to push to add competition and to add another interesting development another dimension to the passing game another matchup difficulty for defenses you want to go big this is like a basketball team all of a sudden this is a power forward line up if the Eagles want to do that at times, particularly in the red zone. And they've talked about where you want to get better as a football team. You want to get better on third downs because the Eagles dropped off quite a bit in 2018 in third downs. And in 2017, remember, they were second in the NFL in the red zone. They dropped in 2018. And that was an area that Doug Peterson has talked about improving, getting better in the red zone. So getting a big, gigantic catch-everything target really helps the Eagles there. So Dave also caught up with one of the highest-ranking people in the Eagles personnel department, and that's Anthony Patch, the senior director of college scouting. He's based out on the West Coast, had gotten a chance to see J.J. Arcega-Whiteside a number of times. We talked with Patch back a few months ago in the season talking about what the life was like of an NFL scout. By the way, if you haven't checked out that interview, go back. Go see if you can find that one back from later in the fall. But Dave caught up with Patch to talk about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and what he will bring to this Eagles team. Hi, Eagles everywhere. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. And with the 57th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Eagles selected wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And here to talk about it, Eagles Senior Director of College Scouting, Anthony Patch. Uh, listen, this kid's super productive at Stanford. 14 touchdowns last year. Big body. We know that. Tell us more about him. Tell him what you saw and why the Eagles love him so much. Size, production, and hands, Dave. Boxes guys out. Red zone target. Run after the catch. Big target down the field. Box so, guys out. So that so the, the art of boxing somebody out. I mean, do you see it a lot with with kids? Is it a natural skill? Is it something that they're coached up to do? Well, size, big difference, and then the box out with the the basketball skill set, and going from there. So this is a kid who's six two two twenty five. How much time did you invest in him, Anthony? How much time do you spend getting to know him on the field and off the field? Ryan Myers did a great job pinpointing him. Our West Coast guy. T.J. McCrate went there as well. I got to watch him on film, as several others did too, and his size, hands, strength all stood out. How does that translate from college where, you know, you're going against kids to the NFL where you're going against men who are used to being in those situations against big receivers? How does that skill set translate? Well, we've seen with Alshon, and he kind of compares to Alshon for us, a younger version, 
And so was, we've seen what he can do. And he's a 4-4-9 guy. We, and JJ tested well, did everything at the combine well, interviewed with us well. So it translates well. So that 4-4-9 speed, any, any rap on him about his speed, unfounded. He plays faster than maybe some people think he looks? Yes, of course, yeah. He gets off the line of scrubbers, gets down the field vertical well. What do you know about him, Anthony, as a teammate, as a leader, and how he fits into the culture of the Philadelphia Eagles? He's a captain there. David Shaw speaks highly of him. He's going to mix in here with the fellow Cardinal, Zach Ertz. He's going to be a big target for uh, number 11 to throw to. Yeah, Carson's going to have some fun throwing to that. And, and what, an 80-inch wingspan, something like that, 81-inch wingspan, that's that's remarkable. That's right. It should be playing hoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so this is a kid. No, no, we all know that. There, there's some receivers who look the part who don't necessarily play the part. He's been productive at his time in Stanford, right? No question. Yeah. No question. Very, very few drops. That's the, that's the name of the game for a receiver. What was it like for you as the draft went along, 57 picks, the idea that he would still be there, how we talked about it on Friday night, that, you know, they weren't sure, the Eagles weren't sure that Miles would be there, that J.J. would be there. What was it like for you watching the names come off the board and seeing J.J.'s name still there at 57? We were excited. Even Miles, we thought he'd go earlier. So we got two impact players there in the second round that we thought would go earlier. So we got a big back in Miles, who's a one-year guy, but should have been playing earlier. He got a good good excuse why he wasn't yeah, yeah, playing for yeah. sure. Saquon Barkley's a pretty yeah, good excuse. Yeah, pretty good excuse. And then we had J.J. following up, two big targets for yeah. offense, explosive guys. Anthony, how does it work, just the process? How, how much time – how far back did you take a look at, at J.J.? And how much did you spend time with him and get to know him as a person? Well, Ryan Myers, again, did a great job. He went in there, got all the background, character. He did the heavy weight on doing it okay. with a visit. Then we follow up with the uh, all-star, not, excuse me, he's on a classman, so the combine, get a visit with him and visits and following up at the pro day. And you check all the boxes with him and Miles and Andre, it's a whole slam dunk. Yeah, everybody's pretty yeah. happy after two awesome. days of the NFL draft. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Good for you. This is Anthony Patch, my man, talking about the 57th pick overall, the Eagles' third pick, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, wide receiver from Stanford, now a Philadelphia Eagle. All right, so that'll do it. This was a lot of fun. We saw the journey to the draft for both Miles Sanders and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Again, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with Andre Dillard, that was a full episode just on the Eagles' first-round pick. A lot of fun talking to a lot of the people that were involved with that selection and hearing all of their input on what made Andre such a special talent. And obviously, we had a lot of fun talking to all the people we discussed here today. Now, next week, we'll be back for one more version of this kind of episode for the Journey to the Draft podcast. We're going to talk about Sharif Miller from Penn State and Clayton Thorson, the quarterback from Northwestern. Until then, we'll see you next time right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.